Welcome to the Not So Typical Family Podcast with Juan and Jen, where we hope to provide an honest perspective on marriage, family, and our faith. Here are your hosts, Juan and Jen Benito. Okay, guys, so welcome back to episode two. I'm Juan. I'm Jen. And we want to thank you for joining us again. Yeah. Are we doing a back and forth thing each We are. How okay. are you? <laughs> So in this episode, we wanted to go back and talk a little bit about peanuts. So many of you know us from our blog, Raising Peanut. I guess Jen's blog, Raising Peanuts. Yes, my blog. I was there for moral support. Not really. Financial at support. All. No, not at all. What? Somebody pays for your internet. Most of you probably know us more from our Instagram, which has become Raising Peanut. And I've learned a lot about your babies, and you've probably have followed our family for a little bit. Um, but not many people know actually how Peanut came into our lives. So I think hey. we're going to go into debt with that. So debt. when a man and a woman love each other. No? No. We're not doing that? <laughs> what about the story? Can we do that story? No. Oh. So how so, did Peanut come into our yeah. life? So we had three biological children, as you most of you know. Um, Jalen is our youngest, and she is... 11, um, about four years ago now, right, is when we started discussing the possibilities of bringing in another child. Wait, can I backtrack a little bit? So after Jalen was born, I had decided that we were no longer having children, and we were set with that. So our goal was Jalen would be 18 when I was 42 years of age, and hopefully she would be out of the house or college someplace other than home and Jen and I would be young enough to enjoy our I don't wouldn't be retirement but but that's not why you got fixed you got fixed because I didn't get fixed (laughs) (laughs) not a dog anyways you didn't have your vasectomy there you go because we didn't want more kids and we wanted to have no kids by the time they were out but it was because she almost died so in case any of you have kids and you ever try to explain to them what a vasectomy is, <laughs> if you look at a Ken Barbie doll, that's apparently what my kids think happened. So, For the longest time. <laughs> yeah. So just, just a side note, that's an easy way to Anyways, try to explain it to them. So we'll go over Jalen's story I mean, another time, but she almost died when she was born, and actually I almost died, so the thought of having more kids after that was probably not something we wanted to do. And things were fine. For 10 years, nine years, nine years, no kids, no desire to have kids, no baby blooming times. Like we were, no, to have more kids. Hmm. I wasn't hitting that, you know, I wasn't gushing over new babies all the time. I was totally fine with our three. And then God smacked us in the face with what he wanted us to do. So we initially talked about possibly, I mean, we had always talked about the possibility of adopting later on. And then I think we kind of forgot about that and strayed away from it. Well, because adoption is really expensive, so I don't know if any of you have looked into it. It's anywhere from ten to what twenty five thousand dollars to do privately. Front. Yeah, if you're gonna just private adopt, um, and most people can't afford that. Uh, I know we couldn't, even if we tried to save. I don't think that would ever happen. That we would be able to fork over twenty five grand and still be able to live. I don't know. I did go into ministry for the money, though. So <laughs> now we may be able to. Anyway, so um, 
about four years ago, God started putting it on my heart that I wanted another kid out of the blue. And I was actually determined to, I guess, I don't know, I was kind of um, obsessed over the fact that I was going to get pregnant again because there was no other way I could see us having another kid. So um, I did a lot of research, and I don't know if any of you have researched this out, but men who have had vasectomies after about 10 to 15 years have a very high chance of it actually reconnecting, and they become fertile again. Some men. Not all men. Not all men. It is possible, though. Look it up. There's a lot of stories. But um, that's what I was determined that was going to happen. That's what God was saying. I was going to get pregnant. And I was determined to try. <laughs> but, so, that was what I thought. And each month would come, and I would get my cycle, and I would fall into a deep depression, and I would be sad. And then two weeks later, I would start having more symptoms because my mind was driving me crazy and I would get all excited thinking I was pregnant and then my cycle would hit again and then the cycle just continued for what a year and a half about there of deep depression to deep excitement to depression again and this whole time we weren't telling anyone because we thought it was really absurd to think we were going to get pregnant well not only that though I mean we also had friends that um, themselves were not they themselves yeah. We're not able to have children, and they were in the process of kind of going through something similar, and then they were in the process of adopting, and we honestly did feel like it was selfish on our part. I mean, we already had three biological children, and how were we going to complain to them that, you know... We wanted more kids. We wanted more kids, or that we were struggling with this when they themselves were not able to uh, have kids at the time. So because of that, we decided to stay quiet, and... Uh, prayed that it would stop and that it would go away, but it didn't. No, I didn't pray. I literally begged God on a monthly basis to take this desire from me because it was it was destroying me. It was destroying our marriage, everything. I couldn't get past what God was asking of me, and it was honestly killing me. It was It was rough for that whole year. And it made it difficult because I felt bad that I couldn't give her what she wanted. Um, there were a lot of things that I was scared of. I mean, dealing with my own self-esteem and, well, maybe she's going to leave me and go with somebody else because I can't give her a baby. And, and just a lot of things that really affected our marriage and the way we looked at things. And we had no idea where God was leading us. Um, but what we did realize later is that he had a plan all along. Eventually. Yeah, sure. Well, eventually I asked you if we could start doing fostering. Uh, because in our area we have a really high unemployment rate and there's a lot of children in the self high poverty rate high poverty high... rate and there's a lot of kids in foster care in our area and a, there's a huge need for families to take those kids in and you worked with some of those kids and there was many times that you would come home and you couldn't give me details but you would just say I, I seriously just wanted to take this kid home with us and give him a home that he needs and so I started convincing you, let's do that. Let's foster. So initially I was against it. And my main reason for it is because, <laughs> as many of you may know, the whole point of foster care is reunification. To provide a temporary home for uh, these children that need that home while their parents receive the assistance, the help, or the training in some situations that they may need so that they can provide that stable home for their child and then to be able to return that child to their 
um, original home. So for me, it was scary to think that we were going to bring a child home to a wife who was craving having her own children and then ask her at one point to give that child back to their family. So for the longest time, I fought it because I knew that or I felt that Jen would have a difficult time with the reunification part. And I most likely would have. I mean, I could tell myself even now that I would have been totally fine and sent kids home. But I also probably would have tried to kidnap most of them and keep them. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we're only 15 minutes away from Mexico. so. Wow. If you are a social worker <laughs> listening to this, please don't hold this against us. Um, no, but there were, I mean, and even in foster care, I've talked to families. As I stated earlier, I work for behavioral health, so... Um, I worked with children that were in the foster care system, and I've worked with families that are not only doing foster care, but have adopted uh, children through foster care. And they do talk about the fact that they do not really address how difficult reunification is. Uh, for the families that have brought children into their home, that have raised them or treated them as their own and tried to love them and provide a stable environment, and as happy as they are that they are able to go home to um, you know, what everybody prefers to be a now more stable environment. Um, there is a lot of pain and loss there for the families that give these children back. So that's what I was really afraid of. Uh, but eventually one day at work, I ran into a situation where there um, were siblings that were going to be sent out of county because they didn't have homes here available for them and that kind of pushed me over the I don't know my barriers and I remember calling Jen on the way home and telling her okay like I don't know what God has in store for us but I think we should become foster parents we'll take care of what we need to take care of and we will let God figure out the rest and figure out what he has in store for us so I literally jumped on board with that um, I wasn't going to let much time pass for him to change his mind uh, so I contacted our local agency. It's called Charlie. Um, it's not through our county. They work with our county uh, foster care, but they're a private agency. Yeah. Might be state run. No, it's I'm private. not 100% sure. But um, it's just a smaller organization that gives you a little bit more one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Um, so I contacted them, and we started the very long process of becoming certified foster parents, uh, included... Uh, what, like 12 hours of training, uh, fingerprinting, DMV background, checks, background checks, federal background checks, first aid, home inspections, interviews of us and the kids. Like, it's a lot. Uh, this isn't something you should take lightly if you are planning on doing it. You have to be an open book. And the harder you try to hide things, I guess the more difficult the whole process is. <clears throat> but um, it took about seven months, I would say. Yeah, probably about these six, seven months to finish our certification process to get everything done. And then we were told, as soon as you are done, be ready because your phone is going to be ringing off the hook and they will be trying to place families or children with you because of the fact that there is such a big need in our valley. Right, and we had our house set up for a kid four and under, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, at the time, that was all we could take. I mean, if we needed to, we probably could have taken more if we combined rooms, and they knew that. So we were kind of open. We didn't really have a lot of regulations. 
So we were ready, and our phone rang how many times? None for four months. Zero. Not one phone call. For four months. At all. So you guys got to understand this. For a whole year, I was battling God with this desire to have a baby. Then he changed my heart to become a foster parent, and I was ready for that, and I was prepared myself for that. And then I was told, it's going to happen very quick. Be prepared. You're going to have a kid right away. And then nothing happened again. So again, it was this battle with God of what is it you're trying to do for us? Because I was confused. So you took me already unbalanced. Now there's a crib in our room ready for a baby at any time. And it sits there empty. Every day. So out of that, uh, my take was, and what I think I would try to remind Jen of daily um, was the fact that God had a plan, and the reason we didn't receive any phone calls was because the baby that was supposed to be placed with us was not ready yet, or it just wasn't the right time. And out of this, the one thing Jen would tell me is like, I don't understand why there just can't be a baby that has no parents. So we got certified, and then four months passed, but about five months before then, I started having a continuous dream every single night, just about, of me holding a little baby on my chest in bed. Juan was next to me. Um, the baby had just fallen asleep on me, and somehow I knew this child was ours, but I knew I didn't give birth to her. I just knew somehow she was connected to us, and she was ours forever. And I never saw her face. I just saw top of her head laying on my chest, and... Um, so that started driving me crazy because literally this was something that happened, if not every night, every other night, same dream, like clockwork. So our phone, again, did not ring. And the first phone call we received, um, I was at work. Uh, it was on May 21st. Nope, nope, June 21st. It was on a Monday. Okay. It was. It was. I know the dates. So it was May 21st, June 21st. She was born on May 22nd. No, Jen, you tell them. (laughs) Um, Well, I got the call. Uh, Maria, our social... Am I allowed to say her name? Probably not. Okay, hi, Maria, because I'm sure she'll listen because she's still a good friend of ours. Our social worker called me at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon telling me, guess what? She has a baby for us if we were ready. The baby was about a month old. No, the baby was about three months old by her records because she was given the wrong information. She was wondering if we wanted to take her. There was a catch, though. She wasn't a typical baby. She did have Down syndrome and some minor health issues that came with that. And she needed to be adopted right away. They were not looking to move her around. They were not looking to put her in a temporary home. They wanted her forever home. So at the time, they were aware that we were not not only signed up to do adoption, we weren't even cleared or certified to do adoption. There's more of a process that goes along with certification for adoption. Um, but what they wanted to know is, would we even consider it? Would we consider bringing in uh, this baby girl who happened to have Down syndrome, who needed a forever home? And I remember being at work when Jen called me and said, hey, I just got a call from um, our social worker. This is what she said would you be okay with bringing her into our home? My initial response was yes. I don't know why there was no hesitation. It wasn't... He said yes, and I started jumping up and down, by the way, because I knew she was supposed to be ours already. 
And so Jen immediately hung up and called her back. So with that conversation, when I called her back, uh, we learned that she was a safe surrender baby. Uh, so her parents had completely signed over all rights at birth. Um, for the past month, they had been struggling finding a home for her because of her Down syndrome diagnosis. There's a lot of risks that come with Down syndrome, and I think a lot of families were focused more on that and not focus on the fact that this baby just needed a home. We also learned she didn't even have a name, so we got to name her because at that time they were calling her baby girl. Um, but it was a process still, so that was on a Monday. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, we finally got a call from her saying that they will be delivering our new baby the next morning, and if we were ready. So Jana came home to live with us on June what? 25th. June 25th. By the way, Jana means gracious gift uh, from God. And who named her? You did. We needed a J name. I wanted to name her Jamie, I believe. But Jalen's name kind of came from Jamie. So we thought it was too close. And who is Jamie? Jamie was a friend of mine in high school who passed away. She got in a car accident right out of high school and passed away. Um, so I always kind of had that with me. Uh, so we named her Gracious Gift because that's truly what she was. And she had her J name to fit our family. Yeah, so again, it's Juan <laughs> and Jen. And then Joseph and Joshua Mason, even though if you know him, he only goes by Mason. And then you had Jalen and then now Jana. Um, our, honestly, our pets even have Jane names for the most part. <laughs> Not it's totally all of them. Sad. Like, if we had fish, they would probably have Jane names. They used to all. Not anymore. But, um, um, so we got her on June 25th. We were told she was three months old, so we went and bought a whole bunch of three-month-old clothes and size, like, two diapers, and we were ready for this slightly older child. And then she arrived, and she was this tiny little... 5.6 pound one month old and uh, we had to run back to the store and buy newborn diapers and newborn clothes because nothing fit her but um, from there we started the very long process of adoption paperwork so backtrack a little bit understand that at this time how many oh, yeah. people have we told like uh, four people maybe knew because we needed letters of recommendation. But so, they knew we were doing foster care, not yeah, adoption. Yeah, so our pastor knew. Um, two of our friends knew. Two of our friends knew, and I think I think my aunt was the other one who yeah. wrote a letter. Uh, hardly anyone knew, and no one knew she was coming because Juan has this thing that we're not going to tell anybody until it happens. So even our big kids didn't know she was officially coming. They knew about her but they did not know when we were getting her. Now that I think about it, it's probably traumatizing to come Slightly. home from school and then, oh, look, there's a baby. <laughs> and she lives here now. And she's never going away. Yay. Um, we did the same thing with our friends, though. I mean, we invited well, people Well, our family, over. our grandparents, the grandparents came over, and they somehow ended up coming at the exact same time, which was helpful. And it was like, well, here's this kid. And they were like, no, really? Whose kid is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Why? <laughs> So it was it was probably more of a shock to them than anyone else because again we didn't tell anybody. And even the, though our friends that did know remember that their thought was that hey we're doing foster care, and all of a sudden we invited friends over and it was like hey we have this baby now and we are in the process of adopting her. 
And that's kind of how we broke it to everybody. Yeah. So that first day was a lot of that. Um, We're not it was, doing day by day, are we? No, no, no. But that day, like, I want to talk specifically about that day because I think some people think adoption is super easy and you instantly bond with this child that's going to be your kid now for the rest of your life. And that doesn't always happen. I did. Um, you did. You and Jana had this perfect kindred spirit. You held her and it was instant. And that was awesome. I have pictures of you guys both looking at each other and she's still a daddy's girl. You did. Um, me, it took longer, so I held her pretty much all day, and I, I grew to love her, but I didn't feel that connection that I was her mom until about 3 a.m. that morning when she was lying on my chest asleep next to you, um, after I given her her bottle, and I realized that was my dream. This was the child I had been waiting for. So do you think that that's something that, like, we've talked to other friends and they've talked about that their fear of adoption is what if I don't love this child like my own or what if I don't feel the same way? Well, I mean, I've talked to families now who have adopted uh, little ones with Down syndrome and stuff and um, I'm not going to give out any names or situations, but I've, I've seen a lot of struggles, especially if the older you're adopting, uh, that bond isn't something that comes natural. There still has to be older time. Older child or? Yeah, older child. So like two and up is where you're going to probably have more struggles because you have to gain that trust. You have to teach them that I'm not going anywhere when everybody else has abandoned them and it's not easy. And you have a lot of bad habits that other people have taught them or negligence that people have put on them. And I just, I don't want to add to the adoption is super easy and it's just rainbows and butterflies and everybody's always happy because it's not. Well, especially with Down syndrome, because Down syndrome babies are always happy. Babies with Down syndrome? Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but no, especially with children with any disability, because a lot of times if whoever was caring for them beforehand didn't know their diagnosis or didn't invest in their diagnosis, you're making up now for all of that lost time. But babies with Down syndrome are always happy, right? <laughs> yeah. Spend 10 minutes with Peanut. She'll break that. Um, um, but so anyway, so Peanut got her name that day because she was super tiny, super little, um, and I named her Peanut, and then everybody took it. I mean, I guess we kind of talked about why we adopted. I guess one of the questions that we get from everybody is why adopt a baby that has Down syndrome? I mean, our honest answer has always been, why not? Yeah. Um, and that's it. I'm saying that's, oh. that's my answer. Well, if you don't have any experience with children with Down syndrome, it's really hard to see the joy and the love that comes from them. Uh, some of you who follow us or are in the Down syndrome community know about the lucky few saying, and it truly is. So we feel like only the lucky few of us in this world get to experience this amazing, special, hidden secret that God plants on the earth. And through these kids is like a special club. And they do have days where they are like any other two-year-old where they're throwing tantrums and stubborn and you want to pull out your hair because you've told them no 18 times already. But they also are full of love and joy. Anyway, so we weren't like these people. There are a lot of families who actually search out family kids with Down syndrome. Um, that wasn't us. I was terrified to have a child with a disability. I never really experienced any one-on-one -on -one time with a child with disability. I was terrified. I was uncomfortable. 
it wasn't something I was looking forward to. You had a lot of experience, so I think you were kind of just like, it's no big deal, we'll deal with it. And it was scary for me. So the one thing that we've never hidden or tried not to hide in our writing, whether it's in our blogs or our posts, is the fact that our foundation is based on faith. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I am a minister. Um, we, you know, we raise our family on what we hope to be. You know, we hope that we are showing them Christian values. And um, one of the things that did come from it is the fact that we are, we are instructed to, you know, take in orphans and widows. And for our family, it was, I don't want to say a simple decision because there was a lot of thought and, and prayer, and prayer and that went into it. Um, but in the end, when it came down to why, why adopt, why, you know, bringing a child with Down syndrome, why? And, and in reality, our, our response was, why not? Why not do it? Why not open our, we had the room, we had the, the ability uh, to care for another child. And I don't want to think that it was, if you know me, you understand that I am a very analytical person. So for me, a lot of stuff didn't make sense. You know, how were we going to support another child? We didn't have a vehicle that, that, that could hold all of our kids. And the other vehicle that we had was not reliable. It had 140,000 <laughs> miles on it. And I think at that time, my was it the speedometer didn't work. Yeah, it was falling apart. All kinds of other things. And, and so there were a lot of things that it was kind of like, God, we're going to step out in faith, but we're going to need you to take care of some stuff because right now we don't have the ability to do this. And we did. We stepped out, and um, one of the things that has been amazing to see is how God has come alongside us through friends and family, and honestly, people that we do not or did not have a relationship with, um, and how God has used others to show His faithfulness through our journey. If you want to learn more about our backstory, the only thing I could really say is to go back and look at some of our blogs. Go back and and look at our website and um, we're actually in the process of launching a new website along with this and it kind of ties it all together so if you actually go to benitofamily.com so b-e-n-i-t-o family.com you will be able to look at all of i don't know jen's blogs from day one yeah i started it about three months after we got her and remember that because she was a safe surrender baby all of the initial blogs showed no, <laughs> no pictures because we couldn't post anything. She was awarded the state. We had very strict rules that we had to follow. And I was honestly terrified that somebody was going to come knocking on my door and take away my baby girl. So, I mean, Jen would try to find a way to <laughs> post pictures and push the limits. And I would be yelling at her. You made me delete some. I did. Because I was honestly so scared. There was this fear that somebody's going to come and take this baby away from me. But um, kind of backtrack, so when we brought her in uh, from both secular and non-secular people, we had some pushback. Uh, we had a lot of questions of, do you understand what kind of burden you're taking on? Do you nope. get that this is a lifelong commitment, as if all children aren't a lifelong commitment? Apparently, we didn't know that when they turned 18, you're done with them. That's what I was hoping for. But um, but we felt that from the church and from outside the church, and that was a little disheartening. Not everybody. In the not church. every. No, I'm not making a generalization, but I'm saying there was pushback, and some of it I think was out of love 
that they were questioning us like are you have you guys thought it through do you understand that and this isn't going to be was easy out of fear yeah it was funny because sometimes we would talk to people and they would ask us because all of a sudden they would see us and they would see us holding this baby and they'd be like, I don't remember seeing Jen pregnant. And they're like, well, no, Jen wasn't pregnant. So if you know Jen or you've mm-hmm. seen pictures of Jen, she is like five foot tall and 100 pounds soaking wet. So, <laughs> yeah, so when she's pregnant, like you can tell, okay? I mean, she doubles in size. And not literally. Doubles in size? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a generalization. But people, we would run into people and all of a sudden they'd be like, okay. Wait, you guys had another kid? And so we would explain, and it's funny because the first thing people would say is, oh, I could never do that. And then they would go into a lengthy explanation or justification as to why they could never adopt a baby or bring in um, a child that has a disability. And it was never anything that we judged anybody for, that we felt it was our place. It was just something that God had called us to do and really, I mean, just, just showed himself through the process. And yeah, I don't think everybody should adopt, period, let alone adopt a child with special needs. Um, it, it comes with a lot of challenges. It comes with a lot of fears. And if you don't have a good basis of your faith or even a good basis in your relationship with each other, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And, and that's one of the things that hopefully we want to address later on is adopting and if maybe you don't feel like you're calling this to adopt then what are some things that you can do to provide support for others because again there were people that came alongside us and just blessed us significantly in order to make our process easier Mm -hmm. in order to try to provide support and to um, be a part of our journey i mean we had extent like family member well friends who took peanut in as their own, who had become aunts and uncles and grandparents. And I mean, she has more than just us five. She has a whole community of people who not only love her face to face and on a daily basis, but people online who have just rallied around her and um, supported her in different ways and prayed for her and cheered her on with us. So that is our adoption story. Um, That is where we are. Oh, the adoption finalized when she was seven months old, um, January 28th of 2016. Uh, That's her gotcha day, which we forgot this year because we're horrible, horrible people. We were busy. (laughs) We were very busy. So Jen was very sick. And and she was sick too, I think. But um, yeah, so we'll do something big for her June date because we always celebrate both. Um, And we'll go into how she's affected all of us, probably in our next story. Yeah, and our next story is being able to talk about our family. So one of the questions that we get is, okay, how has adoption affected your family dynamic? And that's something... Because obviously the kids just hate her. Yeah, if you've seen any pictures, (laughs) it's just they can't stand her. Especially Joey. (laughs) Joey can't stand to be around her. Um, (laughs) That is sarcasm. So please don't report <laughs> us. Um, but we will be talking about that next time. We hope that you will join us again. And thank you for taking the time. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date. And if you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at www.benitofamily.com.